Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's podcast from Dublin First Baptist Church in Dublin, North Carolina. We hope you'll be encouraged today as you listen to our message. For more information, please visit our website at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist as we listen to the preaching of God's Word. Hebrews 10, verses 1 to 18. And uh, we sang that song again because uh, it's titled The Message Today. It's the theme of this text. God brings this comparison that he's been making for a couple of chapters now. This comparison or contrast between the old covenant and its priesthood and the new covenant and its priesthood. God brings it to a close here at the beginning of chapter 10 this morning. It has been the predominant theme uh, for subject matter for about four chapters now. And we've got one final contrast that's provided here. And it's in the superior once for all sacrifice that's made by our superior Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's the sacrifice of himself. We read this passage just a few moments ago, but before we study it verse by verse, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I pray uh, here at Dublin First Baptist Church that as we study your word, your Holy Spirit would illuminate the truth of it to us. Uh, God, we want to know your word. We want to know what you're revealing here. And then we want much more than that. We want to be transformed by the renewing of our mind so that we won't be conformed to this world. I pray not just here, but for every church here in Bladen County that's meeting, that um, that would occur as your word goes out and as the Holy Spirit moves us to respond to it. I also pray for our sister church in New York and our sister church in Moldova. Lord, I lift them up asking uh, what a blessing it was to see this morning, uh, them worship uh, on Facebook. And um, Lord, I pray that as they meet together uh, the rest of today and as they minister to those who are in need, those refugees that are flooding across their border, Lord, I pray that we would see souls saved because of their willingness to share the love of Christ in intangible ways, but also to give out the gospel. So strengthen Pastor Andre and the church leadership there. Um, You've given them a task, but you will equip them to meet that. And I pray that you'd use us to help do that as well. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So verses 1 to 4 here at the beginning of chapter 10, uh, they tell us about the old covenant's purpose. Verse 1 begins um, describing its inability, what the old covenant was unable to do, what it could not do. Uh, And it starts this final comparison in verse 1 by stating that the law, everything under the old covenant, it says it was a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of those good things to come. Shadow and image, those are two key words and concepts here. Um, The old covenant, it was a shadow of our salvation. The new covenant, it's a substance of our salvation. It is the good things to come for us that have come. And you know what a shadow is, right? It's a mere outline of an object. Shadows are beneficial in, in that they can draw our attention to an object, but they are not the object itself. 
Um, they don't have the value or the strength of the actual object. The shadow of a key cannot open a door, right? The shadow of a meal won't fill a hungry person's belly. I know I've used this illustration before from uh, Pastor John Piper, but I can't think of one that provides better clarity for what God is presenting to us here and describing the purpose of the Old Covenant. I want you to, this morning, put yourself into the uh, shoes of, of a young child lost at a grocery store. And most of us have that experience as a little kid. We were lost at one point or another. Uh, maybe you were there and you were entranced by the candy aisle. Or when I was a little kid, I was entranced by the cereal aisle and seeing what prize I could get if I bought that sugar cereal. And uh, knowing that my mom was not going to let me have that. But, um, and, but then all of a sudden you turned around and mom was, was gone. And as you frantically... Uh, tried to look for her in a few minutes that probably seemed like an eternity, you get to the end of an aisle and you see a shadow coming around the aisle next to you. It's the same shape as your mother, whatever that shape is. It's the same height as your mother. And so your heart becomes encouraged in anticipation, but not in any way to the same degree as when she actually rounds that corner and you see her. And that's the idea that God is communicating to us here in the purpose of the Old Covenant over these last few chapters. Um, it was a shadow. It was to build anticipation. It was to point people to the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ. But when he actually came, the substance, the substance is better. Jesus is, is better. And verse 1 continues to say that the law, the, the Old Covenant, that was a shadow of the substantive salvation that we now have in Jesus Christ, that shadow, it says in verse 1, it could never, with its continuous sacrifices, make those who worshiped that way perfect. It couldn't do that. Why not? Well, because of what verse 2 gives as evidence that had to keep happening under the old covenant. If those sacrifices could perfect and complete and be a final way of salvation, they would not have needed to be continually performed. Um, they would have been performed once, and that would have been it, once for all. But they weren't. They were continual. And if those sacrifices were perfect and complete and final as our, a way of our salvation under the old covenant, they could have and they would have removed the guilty conscience that results from sin. But it says it doesn't at verse 2. I didn't do that. Um, We'll continue this thought in verse 3, but first I want you to drop down to verse 4 to see what God says there about the Old Covenant's inability. It says, for it's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Those sacrifices made under the Old Covenant with the blood of animals, they could not take away sins. They couldn't. It was impossible. Uh, all they could do it was temporarily provide a ritualistic purification for sins that were already committed. It's kind of sad to think about. The sins that were committed the day after the Day of Atonement, they'd have to be addressed a whole year later. They couldn't take away sins. They couldn't take away guilt, as verse 2 tells us. That's its inability. What, what is the Old Covenant's capability? And then why would God have instituted it? Well, let's look at what it was designed to do. It was provisional. And it was pointing. Now, now, what God's been telling us here in Hebrews and what he affirms once again in these first four verses is that the old covenant and everything that was part of it, it was never designed to do what it 
was unable to do. That was never God's intent in it. Previous chapters in Hebrews have taught us that the old covenant, it was a provisional. It was a a temporary way of addressing man's sin problem by pointing those who were under the old covenant to, to the saving substance, Jesus Christ, that the old covenant was a shadow of. To point them to the reality that it was reflecting. To point them to the perfection coming that it was prophesying of. In verse 3, uh, it says, But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. <clears throat> Do you understand what God's design and intent in the old covenant was? Verse 3 here is in complete agreement with what God tells us in the New Testament through the Apostle Paul. In Romans 3.20, it says, Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. So what is the point? Romans 3.20 says, Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. That's important. That, that is one of the most, if not the most, important designs and intentions that God has in the Old Covenant. Helping you and I realize our sinful state and our need of a Savior from it. Or as verse 3 puts it, a continuance, continue, continuous remembrance again made of sins. Do you understand how vital that is in the gospel? Of you receiving Jesus Christ as Savior? Um, you, you being born again? You cannot be saved without this important, um, without this important truth. The gospel is not difficult to understand. Little children can understand it and receive Christ as Savior. Any difficulty comes from this launching point that verse 3 is talking about. That we are sinners. And we do not like to admit that. And that we need a Savior. That the difficulty in receiving Jesus Christ is in the humility required to admit this reality. Tracy, I love how you always talk about ABC, right? Receiving Christ as Savior is as easy as A, B, C. That we admit that we're a sinner, that we believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, that we confess our sins to him and confess our faith in what he did for us there. Um, That's it. Admitting we're a sinner, believing that Jesus Christ died to pay for our sins, confessing our sins to God and trusting in the finish, the the once-for-all sacrifice that Jesus made for our sins in our place on that cross and in that empty tomb. But it all has to begin with the letter A, right? That's the launching point. If you don't or you won't get past admitting that you're a sinner and that you need God's provided salvation in Jesus Christ, well, there's, there's nothing to go on to B and C for. There's nothing to believe and confess. So God's purpose and the ability, the capability of the Old Covenant was to show us our sin, And to show us our need for our Savior. I'm glad that it didn't stop with the old covenant. I'm glad that there is a new covenant that we've been studying together here over the past few chapters. And let's look at verses 5 to 10 now. This is the new covenant's provision, righteousness achieved. Verses 5 to 7 are a quotation from Psalm 40, verses 6 and 7. And then verses 8 and 9 are the teaching and the application of that quoted passage. And here's the concept that's provided in these verses. I'll quote 1 Timothy 1.15. Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners. Amen? That, that, that passage, Paul says there, this is a faithful saying 
It's worthy of all acceptance. Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners. And that's what verse 5 is talking about. This is wherefore when he cometh into the world. When Jesus came into the world. He saith. Well what, what does God say about Jesus coming to save us? And, and why he came? It says there in verse 5. Sacrifice and offering God did not want. But he did prepare a body for Jesus. In verse 6 it says God has no pleasure that is no pleasure. And only the shadow that was the burnt offerings and sacrifices. Because what was required for our salvation was actual substance. And we find out what that substance is in, in verse 7. It says, then said I. Jesus is speaking here. I, lo, I come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do thy will, O God. Why did Jesus come? He came to save sinners. And how would this happen? Verse 7. Then I said, lo, I come. Jesus says, I come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me. Do you know that in the volume of this book, it is written about him? From Genesis to Revelation. It's his story. History is his story. It's written of him. And why did he come? To do your will, O God. That's why he came. And that's how he came to save us. To do God's will. Did Jesus do God's will? Did he do it in his death? Yes. Was that easy? We were studying Mark just a little bit ago. At the very end of Mark, we find Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. As that moment where he would do God's will in his death, as that approaches, we find the Savior there praying, and he pleads to God in prayer. If there's any other way, God, that salvation can happen. Can, can you arrange that? Can you let this cup pass from me? But how did he finish that prayer? Not my will, Father, but thine. Thine be done. And Jesus bravely, courageously, in faith, went to that cross. He died for our sins in our place. And thus, through his death, he did God's will. Like verse 7 is talking about. I come to do thy will, O God. But please understand that these verses are also teaching that the accomplishment of God's will through Christ's death on the cross for us, it could only be a sufficient sacrifice and a, and a satisfactory sacrifice, a once-for-all sacrifice, because Jesus also did God's will in his life perfectly in, in how he lived. That's why he was born like he was. He was born a, of a virgin and is coming into this world, as verse 5 talked about, so that uh, the human sin nature would not be passed on. That is why he victoriously battled Satan and Satan's temptations throughout his life. To perfectly obey, to do God's will in every single aspect of his life. Obeying the law, following the law, ultimately fulfilling the law for us. Do you see that doing God's will in his life was just as essential as doing God's will in his death for my salvation and for yours? Because he did that, verses 8 and 9 teach us that Jesus took away the first covenant, the old covenant, and he established the second. Are you glad that the first covenant's been taken away? I know I am. Um, you should be. And if, if you have yet to come to Christ to receive him as Savior, to be born again, you should be as well. Because, because here's what all of this means for you. Christ's righteousness being achieved. That righteousness is accounted to us. Verse 10. 
It says, by the which will, we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So Jesus Christ perfectly obeyed the will of God in his life and in his death. And let me be as brief as I can in explaining this concept about how righteousness achieved becomes righteousness accounted to you and I by quoting 2 Corinthians 5.21. For God made him who knew no sin, Jesus. God made him to be sin for us by pouring out my sin and your sin and the penalty required on that cross, pouring it on him. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Do you understand the amazing grace that God is revealing to us in that verse right there? That when Jesus Christ, who perfectly obeyed God's will in his life, when he hung on that cross, perfectly obeying God's will in his death, he wasn't hanging there for anything that he had done, any wrong that he had done. Um, instead, no, all of my sin and all of your sin, all of the sins ever committed, so unlike the old covenant sacrifices, all of the sins that ever will be committed, they were poured out on Jesus there. My record of rebellion against God and yours, it was accounted, it was transferred over to Jesus on that cross. I'm so glad it doesn't end there. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, but that's not the end of the verse. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's important. Um, the perfectly doing God's will in his life record of Jesus is transferred over. It is his righteousness. It's accounted to whosoever will trust in him as their savior. And even under the old covenant, even with the one God first entered into covenant with, with Abraham at Romans 4.3, quoting Genesis 5.6, it says, Abraham believed God and it was counted, you say it was accounted, same idea there, to him for righteousness. Now would you look again in verse 10. By the which will, whose will? God's will. And Jesus perfectly obeying it in his life and in his death. By the which will, God has sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So how can a wicked, rebellious sinner like me with a record like mine, how can I be reconciled to relationship with God? How can I avoid the death and eternity in hell that I deserve? How can I receive eternal life and be with God forever in heaven? Because Jesus took my record in his death, and I, through faith in Christ, I get his record in his life. Look, if that is not the most amazing jaw-dropping, how can you possibly resist a trade offer? I really don't got anything for you. The Bible doesn't have anything for you. The church doesn't have anything for you. If you reject that, if you don't want that, that's a new covenant. That's what it provided. Let's look at what the new covenant perfected. There's a final sacrifice according to verses 11 and 14. And in verse 11, there's still a contrast here between the old covenant and the new covenant to show us once more why the sacrifice of our superior Savior Jesus Christ is better. Verse 11 says, And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. What did the priests in the Old Testament under the Old Covenant, what did they have to do according to this? Well, it says they stood daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices over and over again. And these could never actually take away sins fully and finally. Can I tell you something that you probably already know? Pastors like to tend uh, tend to like to talk about how busy they are. 
We do, right? We do. Let's, let's face it. We do. <laughs> and um, I'm not saying we aren't. I mean, I cannot think of too many occasions here that I have been bored. But hey, you all give me a chair. Thank you for my chair. I, br- I really do. It's really comfortable. Um, and I can sit in that chair because I don't have to stand ministering oftentimes sacrifices over and over again for you as, as a shadow uh, to point you to a salvation that God would substantively provide in Jesus Christ, just like these servants of God in the Old Testament under the Old Covenant had to. As I was studying this message last Sunday, this is when I usually begin the next Sunday, do you know where I was doing it? On the couch. I wasn't even on your chair you gave me. And uh, Krista gets nap Sunday afternoon. I get start practicing for next week, start studying for next week. And then I came in and did on Monday in this nice office you have for me, on a nice comfortable chair. I went back home and studied some more. And on Tuesday, do you know where I typed the majority of the bones of this message out? On my nice chair, at my desk. And I can do that. I can sit there because this passage here says that's what Jesus Christ is doing right now because of his final sacrifice. Verse 12, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, he sat down on the right hand of God. Now, God's mentioned this current position in place of Jesus Christ a few times already in Hebrews. It's in the first three verses, actually, uh, of the book. Um, And and Jesus being at the right hand of God on the throne. Uh, His ascension into heaven, very important. It, It is the powerful evidence that God accepted and God approved Christ's full and final, once for all, sacrifice. And that's where he will remain. Verse 13 says, from henceforth, from there, expecting. That's where he's going to remain until his second coming. And his second coming, when God makes all of his enemies his footstool. I'm looking forward to that day. That's the day when he returns and he will be eternally and universally recognized for who we recognize him to be, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Now, I just love verse 14. I want to dwell on it for a moment because I love how it explains the totality of our salvation, the salvation that's ours through faith in Jesus Christ. It says, for by one offering himself, Jesus has perfected forever them that are being sanctified. How often do we need to be saved? in regard to the ridiculous thought that we could lose our salvation? How often was he sacrificed? Once for all. It was one offering. And what did he do? And what will he do for us, according to verse 14? Perfected forever. Forever until I sin again? Well, it's not very forever, is it? No. Christian who struggles with doubt about your eternal security, how I wish the English here in our Bibles could communicate what the Greek does in this perfected forever of verse 14. Perfected forever, one word in the Greek, teleo-o. I know it sounds more Hawaiian or Samoan than Greek. Teleo-o. Do you know what teleo-o means? To bring an end to. <laughs> Complete. The entire process finished. That's what teleo-o means. And it just gets better because guess what that tense, that verb is in? It's in the perfect tense, meaning that God means here that this perfect salvation and this perfect sacrifice 
of Jesus Christ. It has been accomplished. And its effects are continuing. For how long? Well, what does it say here? Perfected forever. Forever. The perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ, it was final. It does not need your assistance. It does not need your works. It needs but one thing to be applied, to be accounted to you, your faith. Abraham believed and it was counted to him for righteousness. Jason believed and it was accounted to him for righteousness. The righteousness that Christ achieved by doing God's will in his life and in his death, that record is now mine by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And that is the only way. Amen? The only way. His perfect final sacrifice also assures us of forgiven sin. Verse 15 reminds us that the same Holy Ghost that inspired these precious truths here in this passage, he also gave us the promise of the new covenant to fuel our faith in Jeremiah 31, 33 to 34. We, we um, studied that. It was on the screen a few, few Sundays ago. And it's quoted here again in verses 16 and 17. You remember what God's promise is to us in the new covenant? That his law his commandments, his will for our lives would no longer be written on stone tablets like the Ten Commandments were. But where are they put? In the Christian's heart. Where are they written down? In the Christian's renewed mind. And so this not of works of righteousness, salvation by God's grace through faith in Jesus, it is not a license to sin. That's what we're usually accused of. We who believe in eternal security and that once we are saved, that we are secure in Christ forever. There's no license to sin. There's a freedom to obey. We're no longer enslaved to sin's dominion. I hope you will join me because when I realize what is being taught here, when I consider the finished work and superior sacrifice of Jesus Christ for me, the idea that I could just keep on sinning without any issue, that is not how this affects me. It's not. Uh, I'm instead reminded that every sin that I have committed and every sin that I might be tempted to commit, that is what nailed my Savior to the cross. And I cannot, I won't, I resolve not to have any part in pounding those nails in more deeply. No, I have his law. <laughs> I have his law in my heart. The Holy Spirit put it there. His will for my life written in my mind. Do you know when the Holy Spirit came? at the Feast of Pentecost. Do you know what the Feast of Pentecost was celebrating in Judaism? It celebrated the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. Isn't that awesome how God had the Holy Spirit come right at that moment? When he would write the law on our hearts and in our minds, I have the Holy Spirit to convict me of any sin I do partake in and to drive me to confess it and to repent of it. I have the Holy Spirit to empower me to say no to sin. To say, no, Jesus is better. It doesn't have dominion over me like it used to. I cannot enjoy it like I used to. All because of a sacrifice. All because of verse 17. Is there anything better than verse 17? Their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. That is the new covenant, perfect promise and provision. And verse 18 says that where there is remission of sins through this, my sins, through the shed blood of Christ, under the new covenant, there's no more offering for sin. There's no other way. There's no other need. There's no other covenant that's coming. It's been paid. It's been finished once for all. 
Has Christ's righteousness been accounted to you? Can you look back to a time in your life when you recognized that you were a sinner? The old covenant did what it was supposed to do. It highlighted your sin and your need for a savior. But you heard the gospel and you asked Christ to be your savior. You trusted in what he did on that cross for you to forgive you for all of your sins. His once for all sacrifice bringing you into relationship with him forever. If you've never done that, do that today. If you've got questions about what that means on the back of our bulletin, on our website, we've got more information. We'll have time of invitation. Feel free to come and talk to me or talk to me afterwards. I will take the time to explain any questions you might have. But get that nailed down. Know, know that you have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus because you've received Christ as Savior. Let me talk to you, Christian. Would you stop trying to help Jesus out through your works as a cause for your salvation? Just please stop. Trust that God is big enough to handle it and that the blood of Christ is powerful enough to secure your salvation forever, perfected forever. And in so doing, give God all the glory that is due him and him alone for your salvation. Let your works be what they are supposed to be. Not a cause of your salvation, but the very real and necessary effect of it. The effect of the new covenant. The effect of the Holy Spirit indwelling uh, in you, living in you, working through you, perfecting you, conforming you into the image of the one who saved you. And that might not be your experience lately. Maybe instead you find yourself grieving the Holy Spirit of Christ by not letting go of some sin, by roping off some area of your life that you won't allow him to have access to. Maybe you find yourself this morning wanting him to fill you, but there's something that needs to go first so he can move in. If that's the case, come for forgiveness this morning. Come to the cross. <laughs> Cling to that cross. The burden will fall, like we just sang. Because Christ has redeemed us once for all. The full and final sacrifice was made for your sin, for all sin, forever. Won't you leave it at the cross this morning as Tommy comes and uh, we sing a hymn of invitation. However, the Holy Spirit's calling you to respond today. I just ask that you'd obey.